Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week, we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing High Fidelity, directed by Stephen Frears. We have Super, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and finally newly released, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. All those four movies directed by James Gunn. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Taylor, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay over here. How's it going over there on that side of the table? <laughs> this is falling apart. <laughs> the table is falling this apart. Is table. As we, speak. <laughs> we have any carpenters out there? That's, We're taking that's applications. Okay. We want everyone to know just how shit this is over here. Um, how are you week? Uh, week of movies, man. How a music-filled week. Licensed soundtrack yeah. out the wazoo. Big time with the Guardians. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was also the logic with High Fidelity, too. So I could have probably done Slither uh, by James Gunn. Uh, that would be another fifth, but I don't know. I feel like these movies are so licensed music-based. Uh, yeah, big you know, time. That's honestly the outlier there. Okay, so let's get into it right away. We will jump into the 2000s, High Fidelity, directed by Stephen Frears. And was that really your only reason for Guardians of the Galaxy is still like music-based, that you just went for a music movie? Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit uh, Stephen Frears, not much experience with him. Uh, wanted to give QC Boy a I was going to say, we got, we got Cusack, John Cusack. Cusack. <laughs> I was going to say, torture me, but you had to watch the movie. You just tortured yourself. Yeah, no, no. And honestly, he redeemed himself a little bit in this. I thought this was a good movie. All right, so. so high fidelity. How's high, it like? Yeah, it, it, was, it was a good time. Um, uh, another surprising watch because, uh, you know, folks, uh, this is a director I have no experience with. Uh, and I really enjoyed when I came across this with Alexander Payne, uh, or pa- yeah, Payne, for Sideways. Uh, and yet again, here with Stephen Frears. So much so that I don't even recognize his top titles on IMBD. Uh, I don't know, Tom, do you recognize anything that? He's 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 also done a lot of British stuff. He did the Queen. Uh, that, Queen that, that's about it. Queen the show? No, no, no. The Queen the movie, like two thousand six. Oh, know, that was the, that bait. was a big one. That was yeah, a very yeah. Oscar bait. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Stephen Frears. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't really know the name that much. Yeah. I knew this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I knew this movie was a thing, mm-hmm. uh, but not really. Yeah, I I think it's exciting for me just because, believe me, I love watching directors I'm comfortable with and doing director studies, but equally, uh, that well is going to dry out sometimes, so finding new directors. (laughs) Got a long way to go. Don't worry. Got nothing to worry about here. (laughs) I don't know why I've had this image, especially on these heavy franchise weeks of uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, of just me being strapped in the chair and (laughs) them re-watering my eyes so I can watch more movies. That's that's definitely going to be the image 
imagery for the <laughs> the coming Fast and Furious weeks. Uh, but uh, High Fidelity is based on a book under the same name, uh, and also has a Hulu spinoff show uh, with Zoe Kravitz uh, in the starring role, where her mother Lisa Bonet uh, is in this movie. Uh, so kind of a cute little cute little connection there. But it was a watch this week because I knew this was going to be a soundtrack heavy week, and there is no exception here. The setting is a record shop, Championship Vinyl, owned and operated by Rob Gordon, a cynical, sharp-witted lover boy who <laughs> recently has been dumped by his long-term girlfriend. Like all music geeks, he's a little bit of a moody boy at heart. Uh, he can definitely get in his feelings a little bit. Uh, a former punk trying to make it in the world, we go through his past breakups before tackling the present issues. All of this is delivered to us in a fourth-wall-breaking narration. Uh, Cusack is speaking to us directly, uh, a la a Fight Club or our recently covered uh, Ferris Bueller. Mm -hmm. And there are just many, many iconic lines of uh, top five this and top five that. Uh, characters kind of talk in a Rolling Stone-style listicle that makes, honestly, a great breakup movie and, and, and very entertaining. I thought this was a very cute romance, uh, a cute breakup film, and has a pretty sharp script, believe it or not. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're taken by surprise. You're ready? Well, a little bit. I mean, again, I knew the name of the movie, and I think people generally liked it. John Cusack looking at this camera and directly talking to you, I can't imagine, was very good. <laughs> but he sells it. He said, I mean, believe me, I, I would, I'll tell you otherwise. I, I rip into him, but he does. There's, there's something about, if anything, this character Rob is uh, kind of a, an asshole. He's kind of a dick. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that plays into it. But I think I was in love with this film. Uh, it is... It's because it is just a total music snob. This captures the exact feeling of walking into a record shop and instantaneously being judged. There's like, <laughs> there's just such yeah. an elitist. Uh, tone of the film and I'm not even saying I we, agree with the choices but we've talked about it before oh yeah it's much like that it could be walking into a gun shop yep. too <laughs> it's just We're, super uh, intimidating yes and it's almost like especially with record stores yep. you just have people it's like we get it yep. you don't have any control of any other areas of your life <laughs> you know you're not you're not number one at anything else, but this but definitely you is no music. Yeah, this is your record store, and you're yeah. making it very well known. And, and that's what is captured to a absolute T in this film. I okay, mean, good. like flawlessly captured. <laughs> uh, I seriously have to give points for just such a realism, such a true to life, pompous attitude that petrifies anyone walking into a place like this in real life and the story is kind of around <laughs> assholes like that so while i may not agree with the you know the the music hot takes of it it really did capture a true to life thing uh true life aspect to that there uh it's some real elitist nerd shit or i guess uh the modern internet slang would be gatekeeping so these are all gatekeepers <laughs> But let me tell you, it is a great script for this reason. In an exact way how we covered with Sideways, not to give Payne a, another shout-out, 
sideways using wine aficionado as a dialect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say Paul Giamatti's kind of how you, he was such a wine snob and up yeah. his own ass about it. Yep. Yeah, yep. you like that. And, and and very much here, it works in the same way. This perp- perp- uh, perfectly adapts uh, hipster music tastes and opinions that honestly still float around record shops today you know 23 years right. later so again i i was just i was really th- floored with just how true to life and clearly that's a lot of uh, credit to uh, nick book. hornby uh being the author a lot of yeah. people on the screenplay though they have four people working on this on the screenplay yeah yeah which is a decent um, amount that is but, but that's good that it was snappy i mean it's it's a it's a longer movie than I thought. I mean, it's an hour and 53, but I just thought it was more closer to about an hour and a half. Sure, like a rom-com, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's good that it, the pay, I mean, you had no problem with the pacing. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I really one, did. You're one to spot that out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's become absolutely. your job. <laughs> <laughs> to immediately highlight it. <laughs> I would say uh, a lot of praise that I have for this film should be credited to that book and author Nick Hornby. This is just an excellent script, uh, and though the music references may fly over most of the audience's heads, it's it's how it's presented that works best here. This fourth wall breaking, I, I totally I'm totally with you. It can either be annoying or it can work. Yeah, we, think, we talked about it in the past too. Yeah. yeah, and it's tough because I think it's really in the eyes of the beholder. You know whether you're annoyed by this character or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've stayed strong on like a Ferris Bueller that I think it does work because of the charm. Here maybe it's a little bit more up in the air. There is more. Uh, there is almost a. Chuck Palahniuk Fight Club style aspect that I really loved personally. The movie has a hyper, hyper cynical narration, and I found that endlessly fun. And though Rob is pretty hard to love sometimes in those moments, I felt it worked at defining his character as kind of a money guy. It's a breakup film, so he kind of has a part to play here. It's right, not right. he's not a white knight or anything like that. He's a f- former punk, then turned DJ, then turned record shop owner with kind of asshole opinions. Right. <laughs> I feel like this narration why it worked for me is because yes, he's cynical, yes, he's sharp-witted, but when he says a hot take, it chips equally away at him as well. It really defines his character as not perfect in any kind of way. I think that's good. I think for the who the character is, mm-hmm. you need that too. Yeah. A lot with that fourth wall breaking, it's so much in the confidence of the person delivering it. Right. Right. It's huge. Yeah. Where it, it oozes off of Ferris Bueller. Right, right. You He's got to sell it. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, this sold me on old QC boy. Uh, <laughs> he's pretty great in this. And I think it's because he's just given such a platform to, you know, really rock this character, sure. really take on the role. Uh, and uh, believe it or not, I think it really does work. So I would say throughout the film, Especially as the more rom-com elements come in, it does kind of flip-flop enjoyment in in enjoyment a few times because, like I said, his character is a real dick and kind of ruins uh, the, his own charm sometimes. But uh, I, I would say it's a really good role for him, uh, and I can't say that I was annoyed by him either, which, mm. you know. That's half the huge. reason, you know, diving into this. That's a massive. Yeah. Uh, we also get some very early Jet Jack Black action, and he is just in his prime tenacious D goodness. Uh, I would say if you are a fan of Jack Black, it's almost a watch for him. He's not even like a main character. He's definitely in supporting territory, but... Um, he might be best when it comes to supporting. <laughs> yeah, like we, we, we um, in don't worry, he won't get far on oh, foot. Course. Yep, absolutely. I'm thinking like because this is came out in 2000. I'm thinking like Shallow Hal days. <laughs> right, you right. know he's in that. Yep. Although I guess he's more of a main character there. Yeah, but but he's uh, it's able to man uh, him able being able to rock these 
these you know, hot take music opinions yeah. berating people that come into the into the record shop <laughs> and then just be you know so jack black about it like i said i mean if you are an, at all a fan of jack black this is a watch for you folks he's, uh, he's been coming in hot lately yeah. bowser he played bowser with super <laughs> yeah, mario yeah so we're <laughs> seeing hopefully another jack black uh rise but a really good time with them uh now this film like all movies this week tested my rules about licensed soundtracks and boy oh boy is this one chock full of music maybe the most out of all these films believe it yeah or not. just naturally yeah yeah usually i will give a pass if it is explained somehow or it's playing within the setting but like i said it was so much that it really tested it i would say my not excuses, but my reasoning for maybe where it works. On one level, it's about a record shop. The owner is a vinyl head going through a breakup. He's processing this through music. And the music selection is very eclectic, very deep cut. So, you know, there are some things that you can call it a pass for. <laughs> Unexpected to boot, the music is done by Howard Shore. <laughs> it is not, is it? I, I swear see. to God. And I like went extra deep in this. Like, did he actually choose the light? He did. He did. He, he was behind it all. It, unreal. He pops up in the weirdest movies. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously everyone knows. It's like early Hans Zimmer. Like, it's just. Yeah, he's. I, I, I like he's getting around. He's, he's weird. <laughs> like I don't know. If, I don't know if you can put him in the top three or top four of all time. I don't know <laughs> because of the history. But he's weird. I, I, he yeah. does different stuff. Yeah, you know, he like he's the main guy. Did the score for that thing you do. Oh <laughs> right. I just I was putting a movie on the site the other day. I think, yeah. and then he was on there, and he's just like he did this. Yeah, that's Howard Shore. Yeah, and, and obviously you got to be a working professional, so you're gonna work on a lot of projects. Of course, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that helped or hurt it, honestly. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, deep cuts are important, uh, too, because they're not yeah. just going for the smash and grab stuff. Uh, right, exactly. These are about, uh, you know, music aficionados. These are a lot of, you know, there's not once that uh, it plays something generic or mainstream. Even. Right. And there's a lot of deep cuts, which is, which is cool. But let me tell you, Tom, I mean, it really is just textbook Suicide Squad Syndrome, just playing track after track. I mean, no matter how indie or unique the song was, I couldn't help but be distracted by it. And I think, I don't know, I'm coming out with a positive score on this one. I think I might have been beaten into submission on my music rules after this week. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what. I think it's fair to say when it comes to your movie reviews, I would say I know you best. You're right. Right? I am still confused <laughs> what the outline, the rubric, the template is when it comes to, when it kind of comes. I know we talk about yeah, it often. Of it comes course, up often. Of but course. still, I, I still can't pick a movie and say it's going to hit or not hit for you. <laughs> and this one, just because it's so music-based, I figured you're just tossing out, out in the wind and saying, like, oh, obviously, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm getting. True. Very true. And I think that's you know, why I'm okay with it ultimately. Right. But it was a lot. Uh, it's it's just a lot. I I don't know. It's just it's maybe about frequency, just how often it's put in there. Sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. That's okay. That's it, right. It's one of those great moments though that we're figuring it out together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is very much uh Well, I think with you it's it's a deep like we just talked about always. We've been doing this now for we still don't know. I mean five, <laughs> right. six years. Disputed. We really right, we really don't know when it started. Needed. But the one thing is it, no matter what it comes down to, it is a feeling in you. That really hasn't changed all that much. Right, I right. think just sometimes it's hard to put a gauge on it. Yeah. <laughs> and especially with thinking with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, 
Well, if it's connected to something within the setting, that's usually a good kind of blanket pass. And then I think of things like Goodfellas, and it's just like, there's no explanation of it, but I still <laughs> but love, I love it. it. You I love know. it. So if anything, I, I, I like kind of working this out because, you know, it's the heart of the podcast. It's I, I watch five movies, you know, this is what I'm bringing this week. This right. is what I'm, you know, actively kind of, you know, studying and watching. So overall, though, uh, I would say this film really, really is dynamite in its first 30 minutes, believe it or not. He's going through his top five breakups. Mm-hmm. And I just really would have loved if those first 30 minutes were the whole film. I think it would have been awesome. But eventually the rom-com sets in, the 2000s sets in, uh, and uh, that comes with some more predictable elements. Uh, some of my gripes aside, I think this is a very sharp script, though, and a standout performance for John Cusack. Honestly, a, a watch well worth it. We're going to go ahead and give High Fidelity a 73. Okay, so wow, okay, up into the 70s, pretty good. I mean, for people who just got, kind of starting to listen and everything like that, been catching on the past, because we see you, we, we also see you, Netherlands, we, you know, we, <laughs> we can see to our brothers and sisters down under, too, we have some new <laughs> listeners. 73%, it's a very good score. Yeah. You know, we just, we haven't really reiterated this in, in a while, mm-hmm. but when you're in the 70%, so as far as the daily ratings are concerned, that is a very good score. That's yeah. a very good movie. It's a good movie. When you get into the 80s, uh, these are movies that you should probably definitely go ahead and see. Like, mm-hmm. these are top-notch, some of the best that are going to come out in the entire year. Make time for, for it. For sure, make time for. Because we say, once when you're over that 85% mark with us, you're in the must-watches. No matter what audience you are, these films are are hitting enough marks where they are true must-watch before you die, basically. <laughs> Get through it. <laughs> um, but that's kind of how we do things. We don't give away 90. We rarely give away 90s. Sure, So we sure. have approaching 1,000 films rated, and there's about 12, 13 of them yeah. in the 90s. That's it. And just so. how we want to utilize the landscape of... 50s to 70s Abs- a lot more yeah you know where in film review it's like well if it's you know a seven out of ten and below it's not worth your time you know what i mean that's not you using the space it's not using the space at all you, know? you might as well just stick to five stars exactly or something like that so. yeah, we definitely use the percentages yeah and there's a lot because there's, there's so much nuance there mm-hmm. so just to give some of the newer listeners an idea of how we're scoring 73 maybe for a more rotten site is really really bad <laughs> 73 for the daily ratings is really quite good so, uh, very surprising. Cusack getting a 70. I'm well, telling you. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to make some time. We got some busy weeks coming up, so I don't know if I'll get to another Cusy uh, movie. But Well, I'm, ex- <laughs> regard- I'm excited to hear about this one. This will come up in the Tom Dailies at the end of the year for the rhyme. Oh, really? Well, because... Are you planning ahead? <laughs> <laughs> The Ryan Reynolds Award was almost the Ryan Reynolds Cusack Award. Oh, okay. But we only had one Cusack movie, which you kind of liked. Maybe that's how this is going to go, too. (laughs) Anyway, high fidelity, 73%. We'll keep it going here. Let's jump to our first James Gunn film. And, Vin, why kind of did you pick this over some of his others? But this is 2010's Super. Mm -hmm. How do we like it? Yeah, uh, Super is kind of definitely has slipped into cult classic territory, for sure. Other than uh, the 2006 movie Slither, James Gunn doesn't have too much to pull from. Uh, There's always that forbidden trashy reality dating show that he did where contestants uh, (laughs) try to win a role in a horror movie, but I'll let folks find that garbage themselves. It's really bad. Didn't even know he came from that. Oh, yeah. Why would MCU... Not came from it, but... uh, uh, Did it? it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was for one of the Saw sequels. I don't know. Wow. It's yeah that that's a that's a weird uh, a weird part of the internet if you can find that. So <laughs> uh, with this, uh, Rain Wilson plays the lovable loser Frank, 
who works in a dead-end job, loses his girl to a gangster, and suffers from the occasional delusions, <laughs> I guess as we all do, after a messed-up vision from God, he becomes a slapped-together crime-fighting vigilante, uh, the Crimson Bolt. This attracts cops, gangsters he's pissed off, and uh, a maniac, and I really mean maniac, fangirl sidekick played by Ellen Page, of course now Elliot Page. This movie is a really good example of why I think in those early days of Marvels they were looking for directors that were doing maybe something exciting, something that could play to comic books. This is obviously in 2010, mm -hmm. before Marvel's in full swing, pre-Avengers 1. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, this is really on. Yeah, so I feel like this, honestly, was probably the, whether he tended it for it or not, uh, the best resume he could have even put forward for his work with Marvel and now DC. And is the idea, is it because it's capes but funny? Uh, it's, uh, it's like, Capes, but brutal. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. It's like, uh, hold no punches how silly vigilante would really be, you know, and how people would just get hurt okay, so by <laughs> putting on a costume. Is it Scott Pilgrim-y? No, no, I don't okay. think so. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, I mean, maybe some of the energy around how edits are done. Uh, there's uh, like some pop-up text like blam, kapow, you know, obviously right, trying right. to be it but uh i feel like it's a different scope of a movie okay so i will say as a positive wilson and page are actually pretty funny in this um there is something odd that works with them both being on screen uh but some larger stars like kevin bacon and Liv tyler tyler uh will just leave you scratching your head uh based on why they were included at all i, I just don't know uh, this movie was produced and licensed by IFC Films, and it definitely feels like that at times. Okay. It feels lower budget, not knocking IFC Films, but it just feels, you know, I don't know. Uh, it just feels a little bit more rookie, which makes sense for, for Gunn at the time. But I'll tell you what, this is absolutely an R-rated dark comedy, uh, but uh, it's really amazing how you can see what works in Gunn's Marvel films. It all starts here. I don't know if I could pin Gunn's trademark down to just one thing, but I do know it's always going to be some mix of characters with good intentions screwing up a situation and then usually walking in slow motion to punk rock music while they while they do it. So that that's it's a that's an approximate trademark, but that's kind of his thing. Okay. It's uh, lovable characters, they mess it up and then guess what? They get a slow mo walk off with music playing. It's kind of true. <laughs> it is it's a DNA. We're learning a lot from him yeah. or about him. Yeah. This movie also shows Gunn's ability to pull from talent in his friend pool. Um, the usual faces of Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion, and of course his brother, Sean Gunn, all start making frequent appearances moving forward in his films. And I think uh, that was also interesting seeing that here, that in a lower production, mm -hmm. that's maybe he did that possibly cutting corners or, or, or budget constraints. But clearly, he likes working with them, and he brings them into basically every Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So, <laughs> But let me stress, a Marvel film this is not. This is very violent, gory. 
uh, and has a fair amount of gross-out humor. Um, It's actually impressive how much this film resembles the third Guardians of the Galaxy in so many years later. Um, That third one is definitely an anomaly uh, for good and bad of just how much it is a James Gunn film, and I can say that pretty definitively after watching them all in a row. Okay, I'm I'm very excited to hear about (laughs) Volume 3. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's an amazing movie, but I'm glad I rewatched it in the context of this week. I would say it's a recommendation if you enjoy Wilson or Page on screen together, uh, because I think it's a good comedic performance of them. And I would say maybe give it a watch if you want to see a more amateur take on the formula that becomes Gunn's career in the 2010s onward. We're going to go ahead and give Super 2010 a 57. Okay, 57, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, crossing the 50% threshold. I think uh, the film digs its own grave in a few parts. That If, you, if you've seen this film, it's like, okay, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not a watch for everyone, but I think it's an interesting watch. Yeah, and definitely deserving of its rated R. Yeah, rating. oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Okay, Vin. All right, so... <laughs> the long winter yeah. of Carnegie <laughs> going in. Okay, folks, so... We're jumping ahead. This is 2014, and let's, we're just going to do all three of them. Let's start with the first one, Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe these are all rated PG-13, all, mm. all over two hours long. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just step into it as long as you want through the first one or set us up or <laughs> yeah. whatever your pace is, Finn. We'll follow along throughout this. <laughs> it's all the Marvel homework. the trilogy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so at, at this point, in his career, this is easily the biggest movie James Gunn has done. Yeah. And I would say despite its sci-fi leanings, I'm really not a huge fanboy for these films. Uh, I mean, Guardians 1 specifically is kind of considered definitely in the top five a holy grail of the MCU. Yeah, it's because, I mean, this when this came out, it shocked people that it was actually good. Right, You know, right. because he swings for it. He swings for the laughs, for the jokes, for the mm-hmm. interplay with the music and everything yep. like that. And people were shocked how well it worked. I still remember at the time, you liked it, but it, you were not on yeah. cloud nine like a lot of oh, other people right, were. right. You know, you were definitely more tame about it. And, you know, I cannot overstate the impact that this had on Marvel and on the yeah, MCU. Like as I a mean, whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the kitschy jokes were clocked up, more music was clocked up. Uh, to a certain extent, after watching these films all in order, the Russo brothers owe a lot to what Gunn did because that what that's what they were able to sprinkle to kind of switch things up for Endgame and Infinity War to give it some personality through music choices, uh, inter- interlaying comedic sides of it. Yeah, and, is it for the best though? Uh, yeah. Right, you know? but nonetheless, that impact is there. You think this uh, impacted so much of DC universe? Um, with Suicide Squad and the terrible things in there. Uh, you know what I mean? Tough to say definitively. A lot of people say that that specifically Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 spooked Suicide Squad to make it more music-based. So that's a, an unfortunate domino. Maybe we hate this movie. Maybe we absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a very unfortunate domino effect. Uh, butterfly any, effect. Anyth- I, w- I want Avengers Endgame to be one of the most serious movies. I want mm. it to be brutal, realist, you know, real. Right. It's the humor and the comedy that Marvel kicked that, that, yeah, I, that yeah. I can't stand. Yeah, okay. it's true. Interesting. But, uh, nonetheless, I, I cannot overstate the success of this film having a ripple effect. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, for people that love it, that that's really where a lot of that styling came from, or at least that styling was there and then clocked up. 
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 can be credited with so much of what the MCU is today. Jokes, licensed music, creative uses of characters, deep cut references to the comics, the list goes on. Uh, And I think for some of those latter ones, the latter pieces, using a character creatively, maybe that doesn't line up with the comics, using deep cut references to comics, I think that's on the positive side. I think that we can credit Thor being used in a comedic way and how how it works sometimes. Well, sometimes... (laughs) Basically just Ragnarok, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's just uh, from a from a bird's eye uh, again. The serious ripple effect that this had, yeah, I, so. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that. Uh, before Infinity Stones uh, were the MacGuffin for the whole MCU, this movie did it before it was cool. The Power Stone is introduced uh, as the main plot device here, with everyone from space pirates, galactic cops, the Kree, and Thanos himself chasing after it. But it falls into the hand of one plucky rogue, Peter Quill, and his soon-to-be band of heroes, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, For those unfamiliar with the roster of the team, it fluctuates quite a bit in the comics. Uh, It's not one set team like we see basically only a growing team Mm -hmm. in these movies. Uh, And this film is shown by, or the film series basically progresses by showing new and new characters adding to that same roster. Uh, Our starting lineup includes Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, played by a newly buff at the time, Chris Chris Pratt. (laughs) That was big news. He (laughs) took his shirt off. That was big news. (laughs) It was. It feels weird now to say those things where, like, everyone, like, Paul Rudd is buff, you know? I I was thinking about this the other day, I know, because basically... You had Andy from Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt, and mm-hmm. then he did not Black Hawk Down. Oh my gosh! Oh yes, uh, it was Seal Team, the Seal Team Six yep, movie. Yep, yep. I can't, can't remember what it is, mm-hmm. but he did that. We got ripped, and people were like, "Whoa!" And the next thing you know. Boom, Guardians of the Galaxy, big yep. movie, shirt off. Yep, yep. And that's, of course, a, a meme in itself of, uh, of Marvel films that there's always a guy with the shirt off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta they gotta throw the eye candy out there. And cl- back to the roster. Uh, daughter of... No, no. <laughs> I brought it up. I brought it up. Uh, daughter of Thanos Gamora, played by Zoe Saldana. Uh, Drax the Destroyer, an early ro- role for Dave Bautista, and an early clicking role of showing his comedic chops. Uh, genetic freak and weapon experts, Rocket Raccoon, voiced by Bradley Cooper, and lastly, the living tree and living meme, Groot, uh, voiced by Vin Diesel himself. Yeah. We'll be spending <laughs> a lot of time with Mr. Diesel <laughs> in the next few weeks. Can't wait. I always like the connective tissue between yeah, these episodes. It is. It is. It's enjoyable. It's a narrative. So right off the bat, <laughs> I'll say, looking at all three films, because yep. I just want to know going forward, basically, out of main crew. Yep. Who do we hate the most? Ooh, who do we hate the most? Hmm, probably Rocket Raccoon. Really? Yeah. I don't know. The thing is, he's wow. a big focus in three, so... Uh, uh, he's my favorite. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what I, like, I really like Bradley Cooper. Yep. He's a Philly boy as well. <laughs> um, Groot, I don't feel like any of the ca- other characters are anything. Okay. Interesting. Like, everyone talked about, oh, Dave Bautista, he's in the Marvel, but like, is he in the Marvel, like... <laughs> You paste anybody up. He barely does anything. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I disagree. I think he uh, he brings a lot of comedy chop to it. Right, who do you like most out of the crew? Uh, it's maybe Dave Batista. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Just so we know where we are. I won't, right. I don't, I won't interrupt we'll get, anymore. We'll have a list on the website. Our Marvel <laughs> rankings. Favorite characters. I actually don't like Robot Sister. I'm not the biggest fan of Robot Sister. Oh. 
that, either. That's amazing. I, I will try to refer to his robot sister for the remaining of the episode. <laughs> okay. uh, Nebula, yeah, she's yeah. dicey character. Uh, I will say, in hindsight, Volume 3 does so much with everyone as far as character development mm. that... I kind of would, I'll admit that they're all kind of equaled out in a way. No one's really a weak spot. Like, I would agree Volume 2 and Volume 1 kind of have, you can play favorites. Well, Groot is always weak. (laughs) Inherently, right, because inherently because he can't speak. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's there for the cutesiness, basically. Yeah, for the toys. (laughs) Bingo, bingo. You said it for me. (laughs) I think in comparison to Marvel films coming out at the time, uh, mainly the train wreck that is Age of Ultron in a a similar release schedule, uh, nearly everyone is able to give a decent performance to good performance on screen. I would say some standouts are for me, like I said, Dave Batista (laughs) strikes, and now you're going to shit on him at all. And and I think why this is a standout for me is because, I mean, I don't know, you watch... um, you watch uh, what? What was the what was the uh, Knives Out sequel? He's good in the Knives Out sequel, right? But those white lotus, chops, no glass lotus, uh, no, glass, glass onion. onion there. <laughs> <laughs> different different <Yeah>. plants. <laughs> uh, there, uh, there is a degree there that I mean, all the comedy chops they start in 2014 with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I don't know. That's that's worthy of some praise. I, I have do, you? Did uh, you ever? Actually, laugh. I think I did. Oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then I stand corrected. Oh, I'm losing credit. <laughs> I'm becoming the, the Marvel shill. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a decent performance That's just fine. because That's he's fine. such a. I don't know. He's a, a character, character like he's that. A character. He's he's the first one to really do it too. You see a similar move for John Cena, but John Cena was doing plenty of like buff things before he tries to do this comedy break. Yeah, um, you're right. Similar with Rock. You're right. Uh, God forbid well, Rock we... was early on <laughs> doing things. God forbid we bring up Triple H and uh, I think Blade Three, <laughs> Blade Trinity. Triple H. Oh yeah. What is Triple H? Uh, Triple H is a wrestler. You don't. Uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, he's not. He's not in anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I I liked seeing that evolution for him. Other standout. <laughs> there's only two for me. Is Michael Rooker as uh, Peter's adopted father, Yandu. Honestly, he's just a great secondary villain and always a blast to see him thrown in. Uh, It's a cool character. I don't know too much about comic lore with Guardians, but I got to say, I mean, in addition to Rooker being a usual friend that shows up in basically every... I mean, he was thrown in the Suicide Squad in the very, very beginning for Peter, uh, for uh, James Gunn. Right. He's He earns his spot. He's not just like this like nepotism, like he's just, hey, let me put my friend in the movie. Right, he right. earns his spot. And <laughs> I think Yondu is a, is a great example of that. I would say where this film, you know, kind of boil it down, where this film works best, especially in the early moments, is fun space bounty hunting. I think that's where it works best. Guardians is about having a small job to do that isn't going to get eroded by comedy because the focus is undeniably comedy. It's not slapstick, but... It's, it's supposed to be silly, so when the job is smaller, usually in the earlier parts of these films, mm-hmm. uh, the intro to it, uh, when they're tackling something, 
I think that's where it really works best because the comedy is not taking away from the forced drama yeah. or the forced emotion or, or anything like that. I feel in each of these films, when the larger world-ending plot comes into play, everything gets weaker. The fun within the group, the group chemistry, and the comedy as a whole. Definitely James Gunn's very specific comedy yeah. writing. It's almost, I was thinking about this this week. I, I really feel like Guardians of the Galaxy would be a phenomenal TV series, much like a Firefly. That you read my mind. Yeah, okay. You read my mind. Wow. <laughs> was Firefly in your mind too? Uh, I was thinking more this Mando, like just because it was like you know job based. Oh, sure. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Firefly is a great call. But also, yeah. a tie to Nathan. I know that, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, seriously, nail. Because you're right. Yeah. Being with the team and just going from like to job to job or yeah. mission to mission. That's mm-hmm. where the fun is. Absolutely. When you incorporate it with the, when you got to do the MCU business mm. you know uh, certainly tying into mcu lore as well uh, right falls under the same category yeah exactly this yeah. if it was a tv show it could, it could kind of just be itself wow, that's amazing i i <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. we're gonna have to run the notes by you first <laughs> but yeah i i really can't help but feel the same uh, i feel like that playing it out lower stakes but still important stakes mm-hmm. and character building moments um the comedy not eroding at it it, it just feels like in a world where they could do Guardians of the Galaxy as an episodic space adventure, uh, you know, that would be perfect. In hindsight, I would say with Gunn having decent success running the show Peacemaker, maybe one day we could still get that after his run with DC. Who knows? Yeah, sure. So, I would say I have three different production notes that production notes that I want to dive into, a little good, bad, and ugly. One aspect that I surprisingly don't hear a lot of praise for is sci-fi design. I really enjoyed the look of so much across all three of these films. Ships, aliens, guns, it all looks great. I would say ships, uh, uh, probably the biggest out of all of these. I mean, I can't tell you the name of a ship like... You know, the Millennium Falcon or something like that it doesn't have the, you know, name recognition that, right, yeah, that iconic aspect. But as far as the look of it, this, this is really cool design. Uh, and I, and, and a design of its own, I can't really point to say, like, oh, he's ripping this off from there. It's kind of all its own thing. Hmm. So, okay. It's always surprising me that none of these films really get praise in that way. So I want to throw that out there because it's something that I do appreciate about it. Something you wouldn't expect either. Yeah. Because you think it would be more, you know, just... Cookie just, cutter. Exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, for the bad, uh, this doesn't really have to be... Have to have great fight choreography, but it really doesn't have great fight choreography. Uh, maybe I'm expecting too much from Marvel at the time. I mean, 2014 Marvel, it did have Winter Soldier, which is kind of a, an outlier, but yeah, it's just... It's just it's just very boring. I feel like action scenes aren't aren't really the greatest. This will actually change into big praise though for Volume Three, which was great to see. And finally, of course, probably the most defining element is of the whole franchise is the music. Um, uh, like I said, and like I hinted at already, uh, I'll give credit to it being tied to Peter's Walkman and being exclusively late '70s music. I like the focus there. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, obviously being a court, you know, the the, the Walkman is update he's not getting new tapes so I, I like that focus but sometimes i just feel it's out of place and you can feel gun simply just cannot help himself in shooting the same slow motion music back <laughs> scenes with people walking <laughs> he just loves this like <laughs> reservoir dial a reservoir dogs style shot of just people walking in slow motion to a cool music track and i get it 
Yeah. You know, if I was a filmmaker, I'd like those scenes too. You know, growing up on a Scorsese, I like those scenes, but it's just he can't help himself. It's right. in every one of it, these films. It, it's, <laughs> it's truly good directors that know how to use it and when to use it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was just watching. It's my new hate watch. It's my new hate. Oh, nice. Like most hated movie right now. Okay. Which is... Um, Kong Skull Island. Oh, that's your most hated. That's uh, amazing. Right about now, yeah. I, yeah. Um, it's great. I didn't realize just how truly god-awful that movie is. <laughs> wow. But same symptom of just trying to get a cool shot. Everything yeah. they can over yeah. and over and over again. Give us a slow-mo. Pretty, right. pretty images, some music. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really, a badass song. And it, it's not it, even it, judging the, mo- the the little parts of that. It's just that it's it's formulating it in how it's done. Right, but it's like it's screaming laziness at you. I mean, it just is seeping out of the screen. <laughs> Laziness, you know? I love it. I mean, the hot take on Skull. We got collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. No one expected uh, Kong Skull Island to get damaged. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, they just announced the uh, the a second Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, did they? Yeah, throwback to... Did we post that? Was that uh, like for episode one? Or yeah. was that in the proto episode? That might have been one of the proto... <laughs> No, that made it in. Okay, that might, that's I think that's episode one or two, maybe. Good, good. Oh, Folks at home, just go a back. little. Uh, <laughs> we we have early episodes that probably won't ever see the light of day. Probably uh, that we're right. just like really, really just trying to nail down the process, the quality, the sound, all that stuff. So, and when you hear how bad the first five episodes are, <laughs> you can only imagine. How, I haven't revisited how bad those are. To, I need to get knocked down a peg. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be a little bit more humble. I'll listen to those. But yeah, the, the observation there is he just cannot help himself. I would say with that said, we have plenty more Guardians to get to, plenty more gun dis- discussion to get to. For now, we're going to go ahead and give Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 a 68. Okay. <laughs> that's that's I think that's very uh, that's fair. Okay. Probably a little bit higher than I would give it, but right. I, I think fair. you're you're in you're in a very that's a good territory. Yeah, uh, and and not too uh, spoiler to the the scores themselves. I, I I'm watching these movies all the way through. They all kind of hit in a very similar category. Uh, it is all circling a same feeling, honestly. That uh, I feel kind of identical moving from film to film. Maybe that's a little sacrilegious again because Marvel fans. Guardians is like a top five no matter what, uh, and they really, really adore yep, this film. That's why I like the 68, because sure. it brings it back down to earth. Okay. Because it's just, it's not that good. I'm sorry. Sure, when sure. it was new, whatever, it's it's nine years later, mm-hmm. it's not that good. Mm. And that's, that's how much praise it was getting. It's too much. Yeah, it yeah. Too Maybe much. a little bit overhyped kind of scenario. Yeah. So, 68 for the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's keep it going here. It's kind of like one, <laughs> one big review. <laughs> um, this is three years later. This is 2017. I have a very, very uh, special, unique relationship with this film <laughs> i have never seen it it's guardians of the galaxy volume two <laughs> vin it probably never was, will how, how was it uh it's real simple folks more the same and some of it works better some of it's worse basically this was my exact thought when i saw uh, volume two leading up to infinity war on a rewatch sadly not too much has changed uh i okay. feel like Again, it's it's really just more the same, and that's that sounds now, maybe like a, a a hard knock to it, but at the same time, I think with more of a more of a realistic kind of approach to the score, uh, I, I, I more of a you know I don't know kind of taking in multiple perspectives here. I feel like again these these films all kind of fit in the same area for me. They do. I mean, you could watch them as. Yeah, they're all very similar. They're kind mm-hmm. of all one big movie, basically. Mm-hmm. They, um, 
I would say we have some more characters mm-hmm. and just further character development and everything like that and always trying to get a bigger, better story, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah, basically. Uh, I'll say knowing Gunn's other work a bit uh, better now, um, I can appreciate when he builds up characters with emotion, but many aspects have become weaker either through repetition or just feeling too MCU safe. I feel like this is the most MCU of all the three movies with... You know, three being once again uh, not having that problem at all. <laughs> three is uh, is out there. You know, not having uh, an issue uh, with being compared to other MCU films. So, we enter this story with the Guardians in full swing, taking on jobs in space and bickering like the dysfunctional family they are. Through these jobs, Star-Lord finds his long-lost dad, a powerful eternal named Ego, played by Kurt Russell. But with both his old gang and an angry client after him, quality time with his reunited father is under the gun. Much like the Kree, Thanos, and other galactic-scale threats, introducing Ego was an important step for the MCU, pushing the limits of what they're on-screen characters are and how that translates from who these characters are in the comic book. Mm -hmm. A transgalactic organism that is the size of a planet, it may sound right at home in a comic book, but that's pretty bold to put in front of the average movie-going audience uh, in 2017. I feel like this is uh, a big stretch. The fact that it works at all is important. Uh, I will say it does work, uh, despite being so out there as, uh, you know, a real like comic book character, you know, <laughs> ego is 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 something else. Right, so. right. <laughs> um, now, nonetheless, I'm happy to see Kurt Russell in this uh, good role, doing a good job. Uh, as I still suffer from frequent fever dreams of uh, Escape from L.A. <laughs> and oh, of course. And that terrible <laughs> surfing scene. Of course. <laughs> and the basketball scene. And, you know, yeah. So every so, time yeah. Kurt Russell is in something good, I, I there's a breath of, <laughs> a breath of relief. <laughs> there's a sigh. It, it's it's all good here. Uh, and I, I, I like I said, I want to give credit to putting something so out there in, in something so much of a blockbuster. I kind of want to give, uh, you know, that, that's cool. I want to give props to that. No, I like it. I would love this. Would be a great episode if it was a series. You know, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just Star Trek. Sure. Unfortunately, we get it in movies and right. not come and to not a new episode. planet. And yeah, yeah. Right. So, and yeah, Kurt Russell, I think, was a good addition and everything like that. Again, I haven't seen it. Did he look overly ridiculous? Do you think? Uh, how so? Like a beard? Or? No, it's like ward. Yeah, it's like wardrobe and everything like that. <laughs> uh, no, it's all comical and fun and whatever. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think it was. It was. Uh, it definitely didn't like distract me or anything. Okay, like right. That, so. Uh, again, I mean, visual design here—it's—it's it's pretty wild, yeah, yeah. you know. What I mean, and I think as that—that's a—that's a compliment because the sci-fi is so wild and so unique uh, that you can't really track it back to saying, "Oh, this is a homage to this," or "On the Shoulders of Giants." It's really—it's right, its, its right. own—it's its own thing altogether. So. I would say everyone in the crew gets a lot more character development, but of course this is a story about Peter's father, so he really does take center focus. And we have some new characters introduced that will be pivotal for the MCU films around the bend. Um, We get more time with... (laughs) Oh man, I already forgot it. What'd you call Nebula? Robot sister. Robot sister. (laughs) And that's just... That's That's awesome. That's what it is. We get more time with Robot sister, the cyber assassin and Grimora's sister. (laughs) 
through her character development, uh, and that's of course played by Karen Gilliam. Uh, and Drax is given uh, Drax is given a comedic counterpart in the alien empath Mantis, played by the lovely Palm Clementif. Uh, folks. Allow me a quick sidebar. Palm, your beauty is only matched beautiful. by my hatred of pointless music and film. And <laughs> listeners of the show will know how serious that is. Your French and Korean ethnic background <laughs> leaves me utterly intoxicated. And I would give you absolutely 100% of my heart and soul. Perhaps now that Volume 3 has wrapped up, we can settle down in the French Riviera and have... Five to seven kids as beautiful as you. Sincerely, Vincent Thomas Daly. Wow. I'll put it in the newsletter. Maybe she's... Yeah! <laughs> That's what I mean. She's really... I mean, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all right on Mantis. Look up her IMBD. She, no, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, <coughs> moving on. Sorry, Emma Stone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not to throne, but... We'll see. (laughs) Moving on, though. Uh, I have some scattered notes that I didn't really know how to group together on this. These movies are all very messy, so uh, I'm just going to kind of go through some of these. Starting off, I think... All of these three movies have a real problem with fake-out deaths. Uh, I'll give credit to Gunn Mm. for even going in that territory, especially with how much plot armor is in the MCU. I always go back to Black Widow, and there's an explosion that someone should die and very much doesn't die, so (laughs) I don't know. But even with this just being the second film... Uh, it's it's getting a bit stale. I feel like uh, he does these fake outs constantly. It's just you know that's also like through and through Marvel. Yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, look at Endgame. I mean, that's like yeah, you maybe know what I mean? it is on the same note as Marvel then uh, because it's like it's cheap. It's just what they do. It's yeah. cheap, and it's also in the moment when things are happening. Yeah, it's also trying. It's like they're tr- they're trying way too hard. Yeah. to get people to cry. <laughs> right, right. You know, but what comes over my mind is not emotion. It's the messy business part of it. That no, of says, course. Like, oh, of course, there's got to be another movie. Of course, in this, and, well, you know? and that's right because you're a human. Right. Yeah, that's what all humans say <laughs> after watching a terrible Marvel. This happens all the time with Marvel, yeah. especially watching Endgame, and it's just like I, yeah. I can't. You're trying way too hard. We all know. Yeah, this person is too important. You know, it's yeah, a, it's, yeah. yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head because that's really. I mean, when we finally go back to some of these Avenger titles, that that's really a big issue I have with Infinity War. Um, yeah. So specifically, uh, I would say, despite some pretty wild and cool sci-fi design, yet again, it just feels a little bit weaker, and at best, just more of the same. Uh, there's also some unexpected gross product placement in this one. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Yes, some of it is for visual jokes, but there are a bit too many not to notice. And again, uh, that is up to watcher preference here. Uh, it's something that I have an immediate trigger you reaction. You are fine-tuned. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like a bacteria microscope. <laughs> Finding the business and seeing the cut checks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I you know, just, that's that's some of the some of the notes were you know I, I didn't know where to put those, but I really had to get that across. I would say it's a hard choice scoring this one in ways. I think this movie could be a recommendation on its own, apart from the trilogy. But it's also probably the weakest out of the trilogy. Does that make sense? Is that is that confusing? Yeah, it's one that can kind of stand alone. 
Yeah. You can kind of just watch it to be itself, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Yeah. It just means that the story is just kind of its own little thing. Maybe self-contained. Yeah. Gives you enough character to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, uh, this movie has some of my favorite lines that Gunn has ever written. Uh, the Mary Poppins joke possibly being the best joke in all of the MCU. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, it's it's good. I come back to my observation from the first film and that the Guardians work best when the big plot isn't hanging above them. And I think this film is slightly weaker because of that, but only slightly. We're going to go ahead and give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 a 67. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't gone. expecting that. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be worse than that. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. But that's similar. I, I think so. I think so. That's actually really surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, interesting. Six, seven. Like I said, I didn't see it, unfortunately. <laughs> Tried to. In fact, I believe I'll... In, your in fact, call. I <laughs> <laughs> your call if you're telling this. No, the funny thing is, remember, I was trying to get you to go see it with no me. No way. I remember I was don't on the you, phone with don't you. Don't you bring me into that. I'm not bringing that you <laughs> into it. I kind of brought you into it. But um, no, do you don't remember being on the phone? Oof. I was on the phone with you being like, we got to go see it. We got to go, go see go it. volume two. I don't remember that. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe that's a story for another time. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a good story. The further we get away from it, the better the better story that's is. That's true. That's true. But you are actually heavily involved with with not being involved in the story of, of me not getting to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, okay, folks. Hey, just uh, remember, we're going off the value for value model here. Are you getting value from the podcast, the website, the, uh, the the newsletter? Then can you send us back some value through monetary support? You go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and through your donation, you are a producer, become a producer of the daily ratings. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead, write it a note right there in the uh, donation page and uh, we'll read it right here on the podcast questions comics critiques love hate doesn't matter um, want to find out about that story maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe donate it it's a good time that's how we're doing it we want to stay away from corporate advertising i could speak for an hour on advertising and podcast advertising in total it's a lot of people just don't care so that's kind of just how we're doing it. we want to stay away from corporate ads we want to know everything we say is us saying it and that's pretty much it. If we ever and a do, connection with you all. Yeah, and if we ever talk about a movie or if we bring up products or this, that, or the other thing, no, we're not getting money from every anything. It's just us talking here, mm-hmm. and we're kind of building, you know, a daily ratings family here. And through the producers that make this happen, it helps us keep us going and everything like that. Again, we're new. We're getting our name out there slowly and slowly and slowly. So another way to produce also, please just. Tell somebody about it. A family member, a friend, a cousin, a brother, a sister, whatever. Mm -hmm. The guy behind you talking about a movie. Hey, get us in the conversation. I always say that's where we want to be. It's the dailyratings.com. You go to the donations tab and uh, come a producer. We thank you all so much. All right, Vin. So we are now... There was a larger... It must have been maybe because of COVID, but Mm. this was a a bigger gap than I thought that they were going to give with Guardians as far as this third installment coming in. So it's our newly released. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm hearing all kinds of talk on it. Oh, right. Yeah, it's all over the map. It'll be good to consolidate it a little bit and uh, figure out how you like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is wild. Uh, (laughs) This is is a wild film. Uh, Folks, if you are getting fatigued by me saying James Gunn's name, uh, I hate to say it, but we're only just getting started. Uh, (laughs) While he is up to bat to close out his wildly successful trilogy here with Volume 3, he is simultaneously juggling a massive responsibility. As we mentioned in our Black Adam and Shazam 2 review, Gunn has become a turncoat. He is now the (laughs) co-CEO remaking DC's cinema 
cinematic universe yet again. Um, good work if you can get it. I yeah, guess. I guess. <laughs> Third reboot, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, hey, some guys just like a challenge. Yeah, this is, I would say, a, a definitive reboot though, because they are obviously getting rid of you know so much so, of the lore. Pro- reboot number two, kind yeah, of like proper yeah. reboot. Okay. Yeah. Um, Boy, uh, see the guy. Is he that good of a director? I, mean, I don't know how they pick these people. I don't know how they pick these people. Yeah. I mean, you look back to okay, the first big Marvel movie. Okay, Marvel Studios became mm-hmm. a thing in two thousand five, two thousand six. Yep, yep. And that's when they decided to have at this. Mm-hmm. You know, Paramount. Yeah, Paramount were the dealers of some of the first movies. Yep. Oh, before, and that's when the licenses were really scattered right, but, too. But before Disney came in and bought them out. But yep. like in those early days of Iron Man, it was being thrown around the late nineties mm. and the early two thousands. Like. Tarantino sat down for a conversation. Oh, really? Yeah, there was, oh, wow. there was another huge director that sat down for a conversation. That's awesome. That couldn't quite make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where the, why they plucked these guys, I have no idea. But. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, I mean, it, 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 it is something that at least they have... I don't know a direction. I feel like uh, not to not to sidebar into DC, but there is um, such an un, just such a chasing aspect that they're just chasing trends in all of the last phase of DC. Hmm. That at least yeah. I don't know. There's a game plan. I don't know. I uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, while this has many loose wires, though, uh, that we will definitely touch on for the Flash and Aquaman two, I feel it has affected Volume three in a very interesting way. Uh, this movie, much like the aspects of the Doctor Strange sequel really steps away from the cookie-cutter Marvel that we all know so well. I would say the qualities of this film, both good and bad, display his style perfectly, to the point that there are are a lot of unappealing aspects that might turn off general audiences on this film, but are such trademarks of his directing, nonetheless, that it's kind of fascinating to see just how we came across with the Doctor Strange sequel. It's 100% a Sam Raimi film and to the point of like having right. Evil Dead callbacks right, and like right. weird like zombie stuff. Like this in the same way hits on such a, a James Gunness to it. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it. It's really incredible. I mean, I'm just surprised that Marvel got away with it or, or let him get away with it. And maybe it was just like, hey, you can't tell me what to do anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has the same character development focus as Volume 2, but now with a team that is bigger than ever. I mean, the team is, I don't want to say bloated, but it's, it's really big. Initially, that may not seem like it, though, because the main driver for the plot and the villain is exclusively tied to Rocket Raccoon. So guess what, Tom? Your favorite character... He's getting the spotlight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, loosely. I'm not in love with any of these people. But but right, right. Out of the rankings. <laughs> he's adorable. The CGI on him actually isn't that bad. And I like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> that's my, that's where we're going. It's coming from. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, we open the film with the team on the rocks and uh, Rocket taking it the hardest when his past finally comes to haunt him a little bit. In a splash of action, the gang gets on the road to help Rocket and his particular biology, all while flashbacks of his past play out to set up our villain, the High Evolutionary. Uh, cool name. Yeah, yeah. Played by I'm gonna I'm gonna 
butcher this. I'm so sorry. It's it's Chuck Woody Iwuji. That's I how. Th- yeah. Yeah. Chuck Woody Iwuji. Yeah. All right. I'll take the Definitely. points. <laughs> uh, he plays the high evolutionary. Is honestly pretty magnetic as a villain on screen. It was nice to see this after the disappointment that Kang was that we truly get a despicable villain. Wow. Cool. Oh yeah. They dedicate some serious screen time to just showing how evil he is, and I thought it was very solid. It's kind of the opposite of what Marvel villains have become, specifically in reference to Killmonger and to Thanos. Instead of empathizing with him, he is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum and is totally irredeemable. I mean, this pure is pure evil, pure dark. Pure, exactly. It's funny you say about the redeemable qualities of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You're so right. They really do go for that. Yeah, and, and it works in some ways. I, I, like I said, Killmonger, Thanos works perfectly. Thanos Phenomenal is a great villains. character. I don't like the movies, but he's a mm. great character. Right, yeah. right. So uh, it works exactly for that. Uh, You kind of agree with him in weird ways, Mm -hmm, uh, type of aspect. But here, it's a switch to the other lane, and it really works for that reason. Was that what Kane was trying to be or supposed to be in the comics? I don't know. Uh, Comics are over the place just because Kang is, I believe, a Fantastic Four villain. So we're a little bit uncharted territory. But yeah, in general, in Quantumania... You have big sections where he's just a normal dude. He hasn't revealed how evil he is yet. Oh, gotcha, okay. So, now, some may call this weaker writing and a return to more cartoonish writing, but w- I think it's well justified, and it pays off because it's a, he's a great villain, uh, because with so many characters to juggle, uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy roster bigger than ever, I thought it was a perfect fit for having a bad guy we only need to know is bad. It's like, okay, guess what? That's check the box. He's evil. We get to see him repeatedly do evil things, so yeah. that's good. And now we can focus on the huge roster of everyone getting some share of this character development that this series is known which, for. Which can be such a total... And like you said, we really are hitting on a lot of characters in this one. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's... How do you juggle it? Is yeah. it worth it? Is it not worth it? Are right. we getting in-depth stories? And you're naturally going, there's going to be a hierarchy hierarchy of good to bad. Yeah. And that's just going to happen. Very true. Um, I do just want to make a note, too, because I don't think we really talked about it, but James Gunn is very much involved in the writing for all of these three yep. of these. Absolutely. Maybe not a sole writer, but he's involved heavily. Yep. Yeah, and this writer. one, he is a sole writer. And that, that kind of adds yeah, that's to true. this, yeah. like, he's, I don't know if Marvel can even talk to him anymore because <laughs> <laughs> he's going to the other side. But uh, he, I don't know. He just kind of did what he wanted. and. And if I'm, DC, I'm, I'm there for it. I it's, guess it's not the worst thing for DC either, because no. not only that, this guy knows how the, it, the place operates. Yeah, all DC wants at this point is like <laughs> maybe we can be as good as Marvel. Right. As much as it's people like chasing. to hate on them, yeah, they're financially successful. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, let's just get a guy who was in the rat's nest for yeah, a little while. Absolutely, I agree with that. And someone that at least cares about comics, I feel like that's kind of something that's foregone on the DC side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I, that. That's a that's that's a pit of a conversation, so we're just going to okay, drop right. that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, when when I have to review all the the Snyder, uh, the, now what's referred to as the Zack Snyder verse, right. then uh, maybe I'll comment on that. I'll say. For this third entry, it's not a critique, but it does come with some baggage. And why I say it's not a critique is just that, you know, uh, people used to these movies, they're going to be right at home. It's probably not going to be a non-factor, but I do think it's baggage for those that maybe are coming into this late or, or, you know, not huge fans of Marvel. This is the longest of the trilogy. 
clocking in at two hours and 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. This otherwise tense plot that should be a race against time feels dragged out. And I felt that was a little bit of a weaker element to the story. I would say this is also the first of the trilogy to have the infamous MCU required reading uh, as both Infinity War and Endgame being pivotal to characters. You absolutely cannot walk in this film and not know what's going on with that. Okay. That's Um, good to know. Yeah. And uh, that was just simply not a case with the other two films. If anything, uh, Guardians 1 and Guardians 2 were kind of trendsetters in that. And this seriously, and I mean, folks, seriously is pushing the PG-13 ratings. We get a fun F-bomb that is dropped, uh, which is a great moment. I have read it. Uh, yep, I heard about this. Uh, which is good. I'm glad, I'm glad. You know, you always hear about this rule that PG-13 gets one F-bomb. No one uses it, though. I'm glad the gun and used I think it. And I honestly I think it's two now. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, I, I really? do think it's two, yeah. Uh, and uh, the reason why I say this, though, is uh, it's pushing this PG-13 rating for some very disturbing sequences. Uh, this, you know, again, high evolutionary. He's earning this villainous, uh, this villainous role, this despicableness. Uh, so I can't say this trilogy was ever meant for small kids, especially with the focus on this nostalgia bait, you know, music callback type of thing. But this one is especially not for the family. I would say it's a hard no-go on bringing kids to this. Really? Yeah. And is it, Which is weird to say. It's very know? weird to say for an MCU movie. Yeah. Um, it would be scary. Because... We, we'd have, a, we'd have the Yurikai coming out of the sacks type of moment. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> very good. Very good. You know. Any listeners to previous episodes don't know what he's talking about. Um, that's, that's kind of funny because I would say they're pretty heavy kids' movies. Yeah. I get the whole thing. It's just like they're not going to relate as much to the music maybe or sure. things like that. But sure. It, the music does help with just with the overall feel and funness. Yeah. The movies yeah. are fun, and you have cute characters like a raccoon mm. and a Groot or Baby Groot. Yeah, very true. You know what I mean? There's def- I'm forgetting about Baby Groot. <laughs> there, there's kid elements about it. So, so it, it's an f bomb, and you're saying gore and gross out. Like, is there uh, gore, uh, gross sexual out. stuff? Or? No, not sexual. Uh, it's just very intense. I would say people that are maybe a little bit iffy on animal violence would might want to back away from this. Okay, believe it or not, this which might is. Be my- <laughs> well, no. I might have to go see this. Skip two, go to three. <laughs> I, I think that's a great point, though. Yeah. Because I've heard just comments and everything like that, or, oh, is it pushing the boundary, blah, 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 but that's good to get some actual yeah, and info it's, on it. It's different than just making a dark story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not to not to add to the va- the echo chamber of The Dark Knight, but The Dark Knight, yes, it's a... It's a dark and realistic story this is kind of scary in ways uh and even more scary than like dr strange 2 which had like horror theming right but this is just kind of straight up scary i don't know i like that yeah especially if you're building up the bad medicine guy yeah yeah you know Mm -hmm. honestly i don't know what they're gonna do with kane now since um oh my gosh what is his majors i know we got jonathan major problems i think and then he's gonna be canceled for good i think it's one of those things too that uh disney even even if he's absolved of all the stuff, I honestly, I honestly really haven't kept up with it because it's been a, an I avalanche. I don't think he's going to be absolved. I think he's got the issues. Oh really? Yeah, really? yeah. So I think uh, I think it's you know it's the damage is done. You know they're they're already contingency plans. Agree completely. Yeah. I mean, are they just going to recast it, or are they going to keep this character around if he's that menacing? I love the idea that this is somewhat dark. 
scary yeah. and menacing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, honestly, it's a coin flip on the whole Kang discussion, though. Face, I mean, yeah, it's a mess. Face yeah. I wouldn't mind a re-roll, because there, there was clearly not like a, a magnetic villain that you're going to stage event, the next Avengers mm-hmm. on, so... I don't know, in a world of I, infinite possibilities, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, infinite multiverses. Well, in Phase 5, is all over the place. I mean, um, one of the main stories I had in the newsletter this week was the fact that uh, the Blade just got pushed mm. back because of the writer's strike. Yep, and yep. now that's probably just going to push, it's going to be a domino effect of things being pushed back yep, yep. and kind of an upheaval a little that's bit. Pro- I, I hate to say it because I like Blade a lot. That's probably going to suck. I like Mahershala Ali. He's playing uh, Blade. Yeah. Uh, I just You don't have I, hopes? No. They're doing a PG-13 Blade. How are you going to do a rave full of blood? <laughs> you know? Well, we'll see. With Guardians <laughs> of Galaxy. I mean, here we have Guardians of Galaxy. Very true. Anyway, but, we'll keep uh, it going. But yeah, uh, as for some... Uh, again, if I could cap that, it's... That's just some loose baggage. If you're a you know grown adult, you're keeping up with Marvel, you don't mind the runtime, these are non-issues. Or if you're 13 you. and over, it might sure. be an actual PG-13 mm, movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. As for actual criticism, uh, you know, many, many comic book fans have rejoiced as the inclusion of Adam Warlock, one of the most powerful characters in all, all of Marvel. Adam Warlock was theorized to be the <laughs> to be the linchpin uh, of uh, of what was going to happen with Infinity War. That never came to came to fruition. So it really breaks my heart to say that he was. Very disappointing here. Uh, uh, vastly under, underpowered and easily the worst part of the film. It, it's kind of a half praise to say he was the only bad character in this film. I feel like everyone oh. else was good. Okay, but wow, talk about a letdown. And and I, I honestly I don't care too much. I know fellow comic book fans, uh, fellow nerds, they were looking forward to Adam Warlock as this powerhouse. I mean, he is a you know we talk about top tier comic book characters. He's in there. He's yeah. a true baddie. Yeah, he was so underpowered and so disappointing hmm. in this. Um, yeah, really, really uh, a letdown. Unfortunately, secondly, the music is all over the place. No longer constrained by just seventy theme, this late 70s theme, it comes off very sloppy and loses a bit of the charm as well. I would say there's a focus on more grungy 90s music, which has some play on what the characters are feeling, their emotion, but it feels like an odd turn in style for the last entry. We're at the last leg of the the race. I don't know, is he out of late 70s deep cuts? I mean, (laughs) is is it only disco left? I don't know. Uh, Redbone has to have another track, that, <laughs> you know? but um, I just feel like um, uh, the 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 licensed music in here it was especially all over the place, and uh, uh, honestly, again, it just it, at the detriment of some of the charm uh, to what the brand is. Luckily, some positive outweigh all of that. I gotta say that this has some of the most wild sci-fi concepts I've ever seen, no less in a Marvel blockbuster. Wow. This is out there stuff. Uh, for instance, they go to a space station that is completely made of organic matter called OrgoCorp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. D- yeah. Like, wild. I'm down. Uh, it is some serious gross-out humor, and it's kind of like... A movie-scaled Rick and Morty joke, believe it or not, but let me tell you, this shit is the most James Gunn thing I've ever seen. I saw this, this Orgo Corp, 
but it's just like, who let him do that? Who, who gave him the keys? Who let him unsupervised do this? It is wild. It is out there. Um, just how Sam Raimi incorporated elements to make Doctor Strange true to his style, once again, we have Marvel backing off and letting their creators run with it. And... I'm here for it. I think that's a good quality. Mm. Uh, get rid of, get the parent out of the room. Get the get the, the executive, supervisor. get the producers out of there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that plays into him writing this solo versus in two. He has a, a team that sure. he's working with. So uh, this is also, without a doubt, some of the best fight choreography Marvel has had in a long time. There are two sequences in particular: one with a Beastie Boys song playing, and the other, believe it or not, is the introduction of Adam Warlock. I mean, it is really good stuff. It bumped it up a, a point on its own, honestly. Okay. Uh, That's good, because I can't stand Marvel fighting. Yeah, it's it's, it's nowhere near garbage. the Marvel kung fu. And it's, I don't know, there's just something better about the camera work. There's more... There's more of a... The choreography uh, of it all. Yeah, the yeah. choreography, but also editing. It's it's mm. kind of left on its own. John Wick principles, you know, uh, let it play out. <laughs> We're either in a pre-John Wick world or a post-John right. Wick world. That's, that's the breakdown. <laughs> but I, I, I got to say, I mean, for something that I was very take it or leave it as far as action and also Marvel-style action, yeah. the action being a highlight to this, that was a nice surprise. Uh, so, <laughs> folks, not to disappoint... But this really had the potential to be scored much, much higher for me. Uh, its focus on drama, unique settings, and developed action really had me liking this movie a lot. But it's very messy as well <laughs> and is such an oddball in tone that I can't help but feel Gunn will isolate some of his audiences by making exactly what he wants. Uh, kids being isolated non-Marvel fans being isolated, and maybe someone that just doesn't dig the weirdo style that he put on mm. here. So I'm a little torn on the rating here, but reflecting on all three, this really has a great send-off for the trilogy, and that's what I want to kind of end on. Characters are able to achieve a catharsis that is felt by the audience, felt on screen, and honestly, that was a secret ingredient to why these movies have always been successful and what they've always been about we're gonna go ahead and give guardians of the galaxy volume three a 69 best okay. of the trilogy okay best of the trilogy but okay. like i said all in the same spot all wow. in the same spot you might get some hate from that <laughs> oh yeah i like it okay so wow but really all that similar all that close which yeah it's it, the funny thing is it's the same director mm -hmm. he's writing through all three of them <laughs> right it's true i mean yeah. that's here's what you get yeah but it, it's so all very very similar but this one just is slightly slightly yeah the and, best. and maybe even going back to some of those notes earlier in the episode <laughs> of course are absurd <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll definitely get some flack of calling it the best of the trilogy uh not even even uh, as minimal as the, the notch uh one notch up is yeah but. they're all very similar um they they are they're they're similar in a lot of in a lot of different critic yeah. worlds kind of yeah yeah so i don't think it, not not really but uh going back to what we were talking about and a little bit of the description of the scores i mean i think these movies are all good uh don't let a high 60 score scare you away from this it just feel like it works in certain contexts uh, for certain audiences, and for me, most importantly. Yeah, so. and that's what's great about the podcast. You had said it in the previous, like mm. a previous week too, where this is where just the context is great. Yeah, to have this podcast because 
um, for us, a high 60s is that's a pretty good movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, six, that's a watch. I would say 60, 65 is straight good movie. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So anything above that, you know, you're just going up from there. Absolutely. So 67, 68, 69, but they all are very different in ways too. Mm-hmm. That's where I love the podcast, where yeah. we can sit down and kind of hash it out a little bit. That is true because uh, between these three, they're weak and strong in different parts. And, and for, Right, and yeah. they're weak and strong for different people watching. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what would be best for me? I saw the first one, but it was years ago. I don't know if three's a watch for you. I think the really? gross out humor is gonna. I don't know. Is it that? But come on, it can't be that bad. It's, it's Orgo Corp. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's I, mean, I won't be grossed out. Or am I gonna be rolling my eyes? Uh, I don't. Uh, tough to say. Tough to say. I actually think this would be a watch for you because uh, you'll you'll appreciate the drama and you'll definitely appreciate the villain. Is the drama you'll, done well? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, it's, okay. I mean, it's, I know we I know we just did the review of it, but. I mean, <laughs> But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think. But but for villain alone, that's a watch for you because you know I I think you can get behind uh, kind of a yeah. dark uh, darker spin. Something on... give me something realistic. So yeah, yeah. I, I would love. To, I don't even know. Last time I really loved the villain or liked the villain. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think ever in Marvel. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Wow. I like the character of Thanos. I don't like how it was written or acted or I don't okay. really like the movies. Interesting. So. Interesting. <laughs> But Tom, <laughs> just when I think I'm skirting the line on <laughs> staying safe with Marvel, you just throw on hot takes oh. like this. <laughs> Folks, if you are a Marvel fan, understand it is Tom Wrecker. <laughs> it is me. That's true. It's me. <laughs> but this this was great. I, I love the breakdown of these, Vin. Really, really good. <laughs> 69% for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh Awesome. Appreciate you watching all these. Um, yeah, before we uh, roll credits through. here, is there anything else you want to touch on? Anything for the future? I, I, do, I do have nope. some trailer notes. Uh, oh, please. Trailer go, go talk. Okay. Trailer <laughs> trash talk. No. Uh, uh, I would say I finally saw some half-decent trailers. I would say I wasn't sold on the new Dune trailer until I saw it on the big screen with good sound. Uh, something that I think you can appreciate, Thank Tom. You. <laughs> Thank you. I will make a note. Um, I'm staying away from all Dune trailers and all information Ooh. on it. See, I would have loved to do that, but, you know. Well, you go to the movies so much. Yeah, I know. It's and, a land Because that, honestly, <laughs> I think it made John Wick 4 better for me. And that's what I was like, really? oh, you know what? I just have to do. We're so It's so difficult to not click sometimes, yeah, to yeah. not just go ahead and click on and see what it is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but if you I, know you're going to watch it anyway, don't spoil yourself. Right. I did it for John Wick, and I think I'm going to do it again for this. Yeah. So you won't see much on it. Like in the newsletter, I don't think that you're going to see much of a, <laughs> a Dune thing, because I just, I don't want to read anything that's on good. it. That's but that's good. But that's good that you, that's good that you like the trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a little bit, just because I, I don't know, I like that first one so much, but it, it's looking good. And God. God damn it, Tom Cruise, the new <gasps> Mission Impossible. I heard they cut a new one. I heard they cut a new trailer. <laughs> yep, yep. It's it's a really asinine title. It's Dead Reckoning Part 1. Why is that bad? I don't know. Come on. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's it's a joke. <laughs> they're all, I will say, all the Mission Impossibles are flawed because they're named af- yeah. well, after three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start to be named. It, I understand that's a problem, but like... Wait, what is it called again? Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning Part 1. And I like the idea, hey, they're going to finish out the series. It should be Part 1 and Part 2. True. I like that. True. So just say Part 1 is It is, I've got to admit, it's a dynamite trailer. Wow. Dynamite. 
Uh, there was just an article out that I went to the trailer for. <laughs> yeah. um, there was just an article out now that it was having a John Wick problem currently, yep. and they're saying that it's just it more needs to be cut. They're saying it is just too mm. long. The final cut. Interesting. So yeah, it's a John Wick. They had really a four hour version of it. Right. Right. But they just had to take a machete to. They're yep. saying that they're gonna have to do the same thing to this mm. one. I'll um, put it in part two. But maybe it's coming down to the wire. So yeah, they got to yeah. make choices. I mean, it, th- that that movie is a, a legend in itself because we get the the Tom Cruise COVID rant because of this, where he's like, "We're safe." the industry you know it's like a christian bale type of rant when he's on terminator so it's like i don't know i i i i I don't know i've turned you actually have Uh, turned my opinion full credit to tom years in the making (laughs) took years i mean my own conversion yep i mean i went three six i went from loving tom cruise to hating tom cruise back to loving tom cruise so i'm glad you're on board yeah i still i mean I, i have that i can't wait for you to be sitting in there and watching the movie and I, there will be a little me shouting in your ear, and the movie will be partially. I don't know. Have we talked about this in the theater? Where I think I have a unique ability to ruin movies in some sort of ways for you. Have we discussed this before? For me or for yourself? For you. Oh, really? Because I have a way of bludging you to death over the head with certain things with movies. Yeah. Like take John Wayne. You can't watch Comancheros oh, without, without me in the background goes. Comancheros! Comancheros! Right. Which isn't even a line I in the know. film. I know. Which is so great. That you can't watch John Wayne movie Chisholm without hearing <laughs> Chisholm, John Chisholm. That. And you can't watch a Tom Cruise movie without me going, uh, yeah. Vinny does his own stunts. He does all his <laughs> own stunts. He watches a movie a day. <laughs> you just like him. Uh, anyway, um, good though. Like You liked your trailers, which yeah, is rare. Yeah, yeah. I will say, last time you said this, it was only once, and it was for the Willem Dafoe movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was, in, what was it called? Inside. Inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, you gave that an 80%. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Andrew and I watched that two weeks ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Really liked it. Good, really good. liked it. I'm Maybe glad. not 80 for us. Sure, But sure. really liked it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Anyway, Vin, thank you so much for watching these movies. Thanks for coming here. Uh, folks, we'll run it down one more time. We have High Fidelity with a 73%, Super with a 57%, Guardians of the Galaxy with a 68%, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Vol- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with a 67%, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with a 69%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. You enjoyed if you enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you're just to see more movie ratings from Vince be sure to stop by the dailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast or our site become a producer and go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.